In this week's episode, Etsy snaps up Gen Z reselling powerhouse Depop and the United States Postal Service snatches your wallet. What is up, Galaxians? Welcome to another episode of the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. If you are new here, welcome to the show. My name is Ryan, and I am a full-time reseller, part-time YouTuber, and podcaster working out of my home here in the greater Cincinnati area. And this channel, it's all about the flip life. We're going to talk about some reselling news. We're going to recap my top 10 sales from last week, and we'll have a quick business recap, some interesting things going on <laughs> uh, in the world of the galaxy. Speaking of, you may notice if you're watching on YouTube, I'm rocking this fabulous looking Galaxy CD shirt. I'm doing that because this week would actually be the 21st anniversary of when I actually opened the Galaxy CD's physical retail store. Now, it's been closed for a long time, but every year in the summer, I run a little celebration for all the folks that used to come into the store and all of the new people who have discovered me through either the podcast or through YouTube. So for the rest of this week, if you've been dying to get your hand on some awesome Galaxy CDs swag, it is on sale in my merch store. There is a link to my Teespring store. Actually, I think it's just called Spring now. They changed the name. Either which way, it's in the show notes in the description below if you go to my store and pick out some stuff and use the code GALAXY21, you will receive 10% off everything that you purchase. So go check it out. If you're inclined to pick up some swag, that would really help support the channel. Um, I go round and round pretty regularly on whether doing this is a worthwhile <laughs> use of my time because uh, I don't really make any money on this deal. It's fun, but you know, if I don't start squeezing a little bit of juice out of this, uh, as they say, the uh, the juice is not worth the squeeze. It's This is hard. This is a lot of work. There's a lot of research that goes in. I know you don't probably care. <laughs> uh, to doing this, bringing you the news recap and all of that every week. So if you could go and support the channel with a purchase, that would be awesome. There is a PayPal donation link also in the description below if you'd like to just make a financial con contribution. Otherwise, you could do me a, a couple of favors. If you're a first timer here and this is the kind of content that you dig, do me a favor and subscribe to either the podcast or the YouTube channel. And if you like the show at some point throughout the proceedings, do me a favor and smack that thumbs up button. I would appreciate it. With that, let's get into news updates. The reselling news. Man, that sound effect was probably pretty faint. I forgot to adjust my slider. <laughs> I'm a pro, folks. I am a pro. Anyway, reselling news. We're going to kick it off with the news most of you have probably already heard and digested. By now, to some degree, Etsy is buying a British-founded reselling giant, uh, not giant, but they're a pretty good size outfit, Depop. Uh, this is a really interesting acquisition. They're, they're paying $1.62 billion, with a B, for the second-hand fashion app. Uh, it is primarily a cash deal, so Etsy, obviously, is flush with cash. Uh, doing really well. Depop, I did not realize, had been around this long. They were founded in 2011. 
uh, Etsy CEO Josh Silverman has called the the startup, which I don't know how, how it's a startup if it's been around for 10 years, but uh, quote, the resale home for Gen Z consumers. Uh, Depop, as you're probably aware, allows buyers and sellers to essentially transact primarily in the clothing area. Uh, it is a very much younger demographic, very kind of social media savvy, a lot of messaging, a lot of modeling of merchandise on that site. So it's a very different experience, maybe than definitely than eBay, maybe even more so than Poshmark. So it's an interesting app. I don't sell a lot of clothing, so I don't sell on Depop and nobody wants to see me model anything. The modeling of this shirt was probably <laughs> uh, more than most of you would be interested in seeing. But uh, Silverman added that the company was thrilled to be adding what it believes to be the, quote, resale home for Gen Z consumers to the Etsy portfolio. Depop boasts approximately 30 million registered users in 150 countries. Etsy expects to finalize this deal sometime in the third quarter of this year, barring any regulatory hurdles, which I can't imagine that they're going to face any. The two of them combined wouldn't be big enough to get into any kind of monopolistic drama. So I would imagine this will probably go through Etsy for its own part, does say that they are going to allow Depop to continue to operate as a standalone business with its current executive team. They'll be able to maintain their current offices throughout the world. I know they have offices in London. I believe they also have offices in New York. And they're going to essentially allow Depop to do its own thing. So what's the purpose of the purchase? As we've talked about on this podcast over the last, gosh, probably several months now, post-pandemic growth is slowing substantially for a lot of these online platforms, Etsy obviously, is one of those that has experienced almost the total loss of an entire category that it had relied on over the last year to fuel its growth, the sale of masks. So looking forward, how do you grow your platform? As is the case with a lot of businesses who have kind of maxed out the growth that they can do themselves, at least the rate at which they can grow, you start looking for acquisitions. Depop is a great acquisition because they do a significant amount of business and particularly because it obviously reaches a demographic that Etsy does not. The average age of a user on Etsy is 39. 90% of those who are on Depop are under the age of 26. So there's a huge gap in both sites' demographic reach. So this is a marriage potentially made in heaven assuming that they're able to leverage each other without alienating their current customer base. And by that, I mean, if you try to do some of the things on Depop that Etsy does, you may get a little bit of backlash from, you know, the Gen Z buyer that's going to be, okay, boomer, this is this is silly, and vice versa. If you start to do some of the more kind of trendy and hip stuff that you might find on Depop on Etsy, that older demographic might not respond well to that. So it'll be interesting to see if they're able really to leverage any kind of cross promotion between those two platforms. I'm sure it's part of their plan. Otherwise, it'd be hard to justify. But that's going to be a tough one for them to manage. The other thing, of course, will be how long will they continue to allow Depop 
to operate as a standalone business. Shareholders eventually start to look at ways to make more profit, to increase earnings, to increase the value of the stock. Having duplicate corporate staffs, duplicate offices, duplicate accounting departments, duplicate IT departments, at some point, those things probably are going to get some pressure from investors who want that stuff consolidated in some fashion in order for Etsy to become more profitable and to increase shareholder value. So this is a really interesting merger. It'll be fascinating to watch what the two platforms do for each other going into the future. Again, this is supposed to wrap up sometime in the third quarter. So by the time we roll into the holiday selling season, this merger is liable to be completed. Let us all know in the comments what you think about this merger. If you sell on either of these platforms, do you have an opinion one way or the other on whether it's going to help or hinder your business or if it's going to have any impact whatsoever? But that was a a pretty fascinating purchase by Etsy. Sticking with Etsy, uh, there is a report on Motley Fool. And again, as always, I will link to these in the show notes and the video description below. Etsy's coronavirus customers are sticking around. There was a uh, a live chat, and I will link to it again uh, in the show notes below. So mask sales on Etsy are down to just 2.5% of their gross merchandise volume as of the last quarter. So they have already kind of moved away, obviously, from masks. It has become a really small fraction of their business, but active buyers who have made one purchase in the last 12 months was up 91% to 90 million and repeat buyers was up 114%. Etsy added almost 10 million new buyers in the last quarter and habitual buyers, people that have purchased on more than six or rather six or more days over the past 12 months has tripled on the site to more than 8 million. So the folks who came to Etsy looking originally a year ago, six months ago for a mask, found some things on Etsy that they kind of liked and they've stuck around and they've continued to make purchases. So while we talked about a couple of weeks ago how Etsy's growth trajectory has leveled off, they are still moving in the right direction. This particular investment counselor seems to think that Etsy is still a good investment. Moving on to eBay, they have expanded their authentication program to include now luxury handbags. Uh, This will include all handbags sold on eBay for $500 or more from top-selling brands like Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and more. There will be a full list in the article that I linked to. Uh, The the program is essentially going to work with 16 prominent luxury brands, and they will be professionally authenticated by eBay employees. So this looks like it's a little different from... Uh, the shoe situation where they're actually using an outside third-party authenticator. eBay is going to have a team of their own professionally trained using detailed physical inspection and advanced technical equipment in a state-of-the-art facility, they say. So if you are a handbag seller, and apparently there's a bunch of you out there, uh, this is probably good news. The uh, The handbag market is enormous. I had no idea it was this big. eBay sells five handbags every minute. 
Uh, that's a bunch. On average, there are 1.41 million handbag listings on eBay every day. In 2020, eBay sold over 2 million handbags in North America alone. And purchases of luxury handbags from top designers and brands are up 31% year over year. Mini purses are up 72% just since February and clutches are up 30% since February. So this is big, big business. This authentication program will work much like the authentication program currently does for shoes and for luxury watches. So if you're not familiar with that, those are two programs that are currently in place. Uh, They will go to this facility where eBay will inspect them, provide a proof of authentication, and then send this thing on to the customer. If there is a return, it likewise will come back to the authentication center to be verified that it is in fact the same item that was sent out originally before it is sent back to the seller. So if you are a handbag seller, let me know down in the comments what you think about this program, if you intend to try to participate in it. Uh, But this is another area where eBay is differentiating itself from other marketplaces. And it's something that they probably need to do to continue to grow. Uh, Continuing on with eBay, they went live last week with the next level listing feature for single collectible game cards uh, and trading cards. During the first quarter of 2021, trading card sales on eBay brought in over 1 billion US dollars and buyers in the category doubled During the same time period, eBay says, we know that listing individual cards can be time-consuming to help you list your trading cards more quickly and efficiently. We have created an image detection feature that's now available in the eBay app for collectible card games like Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, and Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Uh, They say the way to use it, open the eBay app, tap list an item to start your listing, type MTG or Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, or Yu-Gi-Oh, and select tap to search with your camera. Point your camera at the card. Their quote-unquote computer vision detects your card and matches your scan to possible results. Select your match. You'll want to make sure that key listing item specifics and title that are automatically pre-filled are, of course, correct. Complete your listing with your own photos, price, shipping details, and condition they do caution please be aware that there may be multiple variations of your card make sure that the result that you select accurately reflects the card that you have so this is a really interesting program if you are a seller of single cards obviously it is a big and growing market we've talked about on this channel before not i i don't know how long that trend will continue the card market is just crazy right now Uh, But if you're in that market, let me know what you think of this tool. eBay also published a report called the Reopen Report. You may have seen several others have posted about this on Instagram and so on. Shameless plug. If you're not following me on Instagram, you can do so at Galaxy CDs Rocks. Uh, You'll also get to see pictures of my lovely kitty, Josie the Cat, on occasion. And last week, you also got to see one of the lovely cicadas (laughs) uh, that are currently dive bombing everything in sight in the greater Cincinnati area. Anyway, this reopen report talks about merchandise that is selling at a greater rate as society begins to reopen. So this is something that you might want to take a look at. Uh, They talk 
for starters, about the luxury handbag market, which is up significantly because people are going out and they want to look better. Uh, changing things up below the waist and embracing full body grooming. There is a push on no more Zoom meetings where you can go to a meeting in your shorts like I'm wearing right now. Uh, you got to start dressing the part. There's also the case where a lot of folks who were stuck at home may have put on a few pounds and some of the stuff that you may currently have in your closet doesn't fit anymore. So you may be in the market for some new pants or whatnot to go to work. So that kind of clothing has picked up as well. Shoes are another area that have picked up, fashion shoes in particular, uh, making up for lost time. Wedding and party season is back in full force. So anything like that, anything that could be kind of associated with a wedding has also seen an increase in sales and packing up bags and planning to get far, far away. Suitcase sales are up 140%. Passport holders are up 47% just since January. Uh, Beach hats up 47%. Swimsuits up 20%. And top home security product sales have doubled just since February. So think about ways that you might be able to pivot your business a little bit to take advantage of this trend, which will I would expect probably last through the summer, where you're starting to see some some merchandise that maybe has not sold particularly well during the pandemic that has a huge spike in sales now that we are about out, hopefully, (laughs) uh, of the pandemic. The last bit of news for this week, uh, the United States Postal Service, as you may have seen, has proposed a second 2021 rate increase. Uh... My, my good friend Steve, Resale Dojo, did a video last week kind of on this topic. And his, his main point was, essentially, there's no point complaining about it. It kind of is what it is. Everybody's going to have to deal with it. Everybody's going to face it. So there's no real competitive disadvantage to any one seller from this thing. So I will preface my statements upcoming (laughs) Uh, on this situation that this isn't really a complaint, but it is something that you need to be aware of and you need to think about how you might be able to address what is going to be potentially a fairly significant change in your income. Now, to be fair, if you ship primarily first class or priority, the package rates for first class and priority are not currently scheduled to change there is still the opportunity for the post office to come back and request that as well but as it stands right now first class and priority packages are not included in the price increase most of the price increase goes to first class letters postcards periodical mailings things mass mailings that are being sent out by company Um, and for those of us who sell media the second fairly substantial rate increase in media mail rates in the last six months. So media mail rates went up, I don't know, maybe 8% give or take back in January. They are now scheduled to go up in most cases, significantly more than 10%. I will show on the screen, if you're watching on YouTube, a chart of the proposed increases up through 10 pounds. This obviously continues, but a lot of your media is going to be in kind of that, unless you're selling a set of encyclopedias or something that's a pretty big set, most of your stuff's going to be 10 pounds or under. 
you can see that the rate up to one pound is going up 30 cents from 289 to 319, which puts CDs and DVDs potentially in the area where first class postage may make sense now because at four ounces or under, I think the first class rate is 319. So on the really lightweight stuff, you might as well just send it first class, take advantage of the faster speed and the slightly more reliable service that first class provides. Two pound rate is going from 345 to 382, which is an increase of 37 cents. And as you can see in the chart, if you're watching on YouTube, each one pound increment goes up by seven cents from the previous one. So at 10 pounds, for instance, you go from 793 to 886, which is an increase of 93 cents. 30, 40, 50 cents may not sound like a whole bunch of money, but if you're primarily a media seller like myself, a rough back of the envelope calculation tells me this is going to cost me on average probably $150 a month, give or take. So somewhere around $1,500 to $1,800 a year in additional postage costs. This is on top of the increase that we already suffered back in January, which probably cost less than half that. And on top of the slight price increase of the final value fees that eBay implemented recently. So all of a sudden, I'm probably looking at on an annual basis, somewhere around $2,800 to $3,000 in additional expenses through postage and increased final value fees. How do you, how do you resolve that? So you can't really just increase your price to cover that amount. I mean, you could do it, but if an item is only worth, let's say $15, including shipping, after this price increase, it's still only worth $15 with free shipping or with shipping included, whether you whether the customer pays for it or you pay for it. The item is worth in the marketplace what the item is worth. Your cost, to a greater or lesser extent, of transacting that business does not rely at all on how much you are going to have to pay to make that transaction happen. So the market value is what it is. If you increase the price to cover the cost of this, let's say you've got a four pound book, you're at 1099, whatever, and you decide you want to recoup this extra increase, you now need to price it at 10 or 1150. If the price of that book is really only worth 1099, now you're at a competitive disadvantage and you may not sell the book at all. So in essence, if you take the risk of raising your price, you potentially are, as they say, cutting off your nose to spite your face. Yes, you've accounted for that extra price increase, but you've potentially damaged your sales, which obviously is not the way to go. You could convert everything. If you are like me, where most of my media is free shipping, you could convert it all to paid shipping. The net effect of that is that it raises the price. If you're at $9.99 with free shipping and you switch it to customer paid shipping and you reduce the item by three bucks the next time there's a shipping increase and that is passed along to the customer, you're now once again potentially not competitive. So for my own business, I'm not I'm not gonna pass this cost along to the customer. The only other real alternative, because I've scrimped and saved, I'm already using like the cheapest envelopes I can find and all the rest of it is I'm just going to have to sell more stuff. I'm going to have to work a little bit harder, do 
another few listings every month by my, again, back of the envelope calculations, I'm going to need to sell something like another $300 gross per month to cover just the cost of this postage increase. So again, not a complaint, not a rant necessarily. I'm not pleased (laughs) to say the least because I feel like USPS is just continually taking money out of my pocket. On the flip side of that, they are, to a greater or lesser extent, subsidizing the sale of media by having the media mail program available. There has also been a significant amount of abuse over the years of this program. So it is what it is. We just got to find a way way to deal with it. We are going to, as media sellers, going to have to expend a little bit more time and effort to try to increase our sales in other ways to recoup this. So we're going to work a little harder to make a little bit less or to make the same amount of money as we were making before. It is just part of the cost of doing business. At the end of the day, I happen to agree with Steve. There's really no point getting too too bent out of shape about it. You, you, there's no other way to ship this stuff more cheaply. Go look at UPS's rates <laughs> uh, in the sub like two pounds category. I mean, it's just insanity. So this is still the best program out there despite ongoing issues with slow deliveries and missing items. It is still probably one of the most efficient package shipment options in the world. I rarely, rarely have anything go lost or even be significantly late. Even during the Christmas season, I had a bunch of stuff that was late, but all but one package ultimately got delivered. So to send something clear across the country for three bucks is still a pretty good value. In the end, we'll just have to dig a little deeper to make up for whatever amount of business, whatever amount of profit, I guess I should say, we're going to be forwarding over to USPS. So let me know in the comments if you're a big media seller, and I know I got a few of you that watch this channel. What are your feelings on this proposed rate increase? I know there's some pushback already against this. I don't anticipate really that it's going to have much of an effect. Hopefully, this will be the last one for a while. They won't hit us in you know October with the seasonal increase that they gave us last year, and maybe they'll let us slide in January with the normal annual increase since they've gotten away with two this year. That would be nice. But let us know what you think about all of this in the comments below. Or if you're listening to the podcast, you can, of course, email me at galaxycds at gmail.com. With that, we're going to take a really quick break for the podcast listeners. We will be right back with my top 10 sales from last week and a weekly business recap. So stay tuned. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts and you want to do me a solid, please leave me a review. That would be awesome. If you're listening anywhere else, there's a link in the show notes to my Podchaser page where you can also go and leave a review. Be sure to check me out on YouTube at Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips and follow me on Instagram at Galaxy CDs Rocks. Thanks again. We all know that one of the quickest ways to increase sales is to get your items seen on more platforms. But if you're like me and you have hundreds or even thousands of existing listings, the thought of transferring all of that information manually is pretty overwhelming. That's where a program like List Perfectly can come in really, really handy. 
I've been using it to transfer literally hundreds of items a day from my eBay listings over to Mercari, and it has been fantastic. I've seen an increase in sales, and I couldn't have done it without them. In fact, I'm so happy with how the program is working for me that I've become an affiliate for them. If you'd like to check out what it's all about, there's an affiliate link in the show notes and the description below. Be sure to click on it, and if you decide to sign up, enter promo code 634 to save 30% off your first month. I can't recommend it highly enough. That's list perfectly. We're going to start this thing off with the weekly business recap, and then we'll get to that top 10. I like like to keep you waiting until the end (laughs) Uh, for the best stuff. It was actually a really good top 10, so you'll definitely want to stick around for it. Uh, Last week, kind of a crazy week. Um, I did two trips for my dealer trade drives to Indianapolis last week, one of which was a little longer than the other because the car I got in had a check engine light on when I went to pick it up. So I got to stick around for a little bit while the service department took a look at that thing. So I lost, again, essentially two half days uh, to that. I did two full days of sourcing. I went out on Friday and Saturday, both pretty extensive. I was on the road for about nine hours both of those days. Uh, If you were in town for the reseller rally and you got out to some sales, let us know how that was for you. Let let me know in the comments what you thought of the reseller rally. I did not attend this year, but it looked like something that might be interesting for me in the future. So let us know what you thought of that whole thing. Monday, of course, was a holiday. So I did do a little bit of work, but I didn't. I, I took essentially half a day off on Monday for the holiday. So all of that to say my listings were a little bit off the pace from the week before, but still reasonably good. I did 91 new listings on eBay, which took my total to 6591 at the end of the week, which was a gain of 17 over the previous week. I had 74 sold listings throughout the course of the week. Over on Mercari, I had some eBay auctions that closed without buyers. So Mercari got 97 new listings, which took it to 2757 or an increase of 56. Sales for the week were really solid. I was it was nice <laughs> to have a, a really good week. Uh, 15, 14, 05. So first time over 1500 in quite some time. I was really pleased with that. I did $11.30 in affiliate income. So if you signed up for List Perfectly or you went to eBay or Amazon or wherever through one of my links and, and actually bought something, thank you so much for the support. I did $60.43 on Mercari. So Mercari was a little bit off last week. Part of it was, you may remember a couple of weeks ago, here's one of the downsides to the resale game, and they're not all wins. I had that Akai four-channel stereo demo reel that I sold for, I think, 32 bucks. It got to the customer. He went to play it, and whatever was supposed to be on that reel had been recorded over with some 1960s era music. So I had to do a refund on that, which is why the Mercari number is down a little bit. The refund was $27 and something uh, after the fee adjustments and whatnot. So Mercari still would have been off for the week. It would have been sub 100 bucks. Uh, But part of it was not being able to keep that item sold. I did not 
force the customer customer to return it. I just canceled it because it was still pending his review. There was no point paying for priority mail shipment to return that item to me. So I just let it go. Um, Westchester Antique Center, $86.71. That might be my best single week over at the Antique Center. And as it turns out, it came at a very opportune time. I went over there earlier today to drop off more stuff. And you may recall, if you've been here for a while, a couple of weeks ago, I commented that I had to move my booth one aisle over for some upcoming construction. As it turned out, that move was not far enough. Uh, the person who showed me where I could move my booth to had been told that for the construction, a plastic sheet would be going up on the opposite side of the aisle where she had asked me to move. As it turns out, they're going to put that plastic up on my side of the aisle and essentially block off that entire row's worth of booths for at least one to two weeks. So effective tomorrow morning, sometime around 10 a.m. when the Antique Center opens, my booth will temporarily be out of business. So if you're local to the area and you had thoughts about going over to the Westchester Antique Center and looking through the old records, uh, give it a couple of weeks because right now it's closed down. Well, it's not closed down, but my booth is. The upside is she told me today that because of the snafu, they will not charge me rent for July. So I guess in the scheme of things, it works out. I was hoping to maintain a little bit of momentum over there. Like I said, the 86 bucks and some change was the best week I've had over there. Probably since I went in, I've taken over a lot of really good stuff and was really looking forward to a good month. And now we're going to take two weeks of business out of the middle of that. So a little disappointed with that. eBay, well back on track, 13.55 and 61 cents over on the bay. So Cost of goods sold for the week, $52.14, which left me with a gross profit of 96.56% or $14.61.91. Operating expenses for the week totaled $654.84, which included my June rent at the aforementioned Westchester Antique Center, which was $172, almost $79 in shipping and eBay Mercari fees, and four thirty-five in bank fees, which were the Macari payment processing fees. That left me with a net profit for the week of a tidy fifty-three point three percent, or eight oh seven oh six. So all in all, a really good week. It was with the exception of Mercari, which really didn't do well last week. I was pretty pleased with how everything went. No sales on Bonanza for the last couple of weeks, which is a little disappointing because it had been on a pretty nice run of you know at least. 10 or 15 bucks a week for a while, but it is what it is. We'll take it. It was a good week. We will move on with that. And now let's do this top 10 sales on eBay. I think, I don't know if there's any Mercari sales in here or not because Mercari obviously was not a very good week. I actually, normally anything over 20 bucks, I go ahead and screenshot and put into a folder for this particular portion of the show. And at the end of the week, I had like 18 things in there. So it was a really good week. I've pared it down to the top 10 this week, just to keep it a little more brief. This first item, Cornell University logo tie. This was a just a classic men's traditional tie. 
was in a box. I picked this up at a garage sale about three weeks ago for a dollar. It sold for $33.99 plus shipping. So really nice. I don't normally do ties, but this was unique because it was a, a college logo tie. It also happened to be I don't know if it was new, new. I, did, I listed it as used, but it was in its box. Nice, nice looking item. I picked it up, said, how much you want for the tie? She's like, how about a dollar? And I said, how about sold? So uh, $33.99 plus shipping from a buck. This next item, Digital Pictures presents What's My Storage, a vintage Apple Macintosh CD-ROM. I picked this up at an estate sale uh, forever ago. I've had this thing a long, long time. I had it priced at $69.99 because there just weren't hardly any of them out there that were complete. Box, manuals, the whole nine yards, and nothing. Crickets. So I'm running a sale this month on some really old inventory up to 50% off. Shortly after putting this thing up at 50% off, it sold $35 plus shipping. I own this thing for a dollar. So it's still a really nice flip. I was trying to rip somebody's head off <laughs> uh, on the price and max out the profit because there just wasn't anything out there like it. But still, $35 out of a buck is a really nice flip. Here's another item I bought for a dollar. Dale Earnhardt, number three, Coca-Cola snapback adjustable cap from 1998 from Chase Authentics. Anytime I can find really good condition hats. And again, I don't sell really a ton of them. I got a whole shelf full of them that are just sitting there, but if I can get them for a buck, I will usually go ahead and grab them. This thing was essentially new without tags, vintage Dale Earnhardt Sr. NASCAR hat with the Coca-Cola logo all over it. Really nice looking hat. The guy sold it to me for a dollar. I saw that comps on this were anywhere from $30 to about $45. So I started this at an auction at $29.99. It got 11 bids and sold for $42.99 with free shipping. So these first three items, I got $3 in them and I've sold $140 odd worth of stuff. So pretty nice start here. There's another one. This was part of a bulk buy I did on some books. I own this thing for a quarter. Uh, Paulus... Orosius, Seven Books of History Against Pagans, The Fathers of the Church. This was a hardcover with its dust jacket. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see there is a bit of a stain. The dust jacket was fairly worn, but as I've talked about on this channel before, if the dust jacket is there, leave it on the book unless it's literally falling apart because it does increase the value. I had this thing listed for $49.99 or best offer with free shipping. I got an offer of $45.00. I went ahead and sold this thing. Uh, again, from a quarter to 45 bucks, hard to complain about that. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that I had picked up a bunch of the Bound Reader's Digest magazines from the late 1930s into the early 1950s. I had a customer that bought one from the 1940s, kind of World War II era. A couple of weeks ago, they were so pleased with the condition of that that they came back and bought two more, uh, volumes 44 and 45 from 1944, Reader's Digest, $24.99 with free shipping each. These went together in one box, so 50 bucks. I own these for, I think, about $0.75 cents a piece, so also 
a really nice score. I'm well into the money now on that deal. I've sold three of those at essentially $25 a piece, and I paid, I think, $35 or $40 for the entire lot. So really happy with that. Really nice sale on this record. You may recall a couple of weeks ago I mentioned that I bought 480-odd records and a handful of CDs and DVDs for a really low price. It worked out to 10.5 cents per item. Salon Orchestra, the Andre Rue Serenata on vinyl. Mercury Records from 1984. This was in fairly decent shape. Another one that I put up at auction, it went for $51.89 with free shipping. So 10.5 cents into with the shipping call it $48. Just, I love those. (laughs) Uh, That album by itself came really, really close to paying for that whole lot. And I have sold a couple other records already out of that lot. So that is another purchase that 481 pieces. I probably have 475 or 76 of them left and I'm already well into the money. Here's another book, The Allegheny Lima's Finest. This is about a steam engine book was written in 1984. I picked this up at a yard sale over a year ago for a dollar. I had this thing listed maxed out because a couple of them had sold for pretty crazy money at $89.99. This one got caught up because it's been here so long in my current 40% off sale, just trying to blow through some old inventory and turn it into some cash. In this case, it went for $53.99 with free shipping. So $89.99 would have been a lot more fun, but $53.99 is certainly no problemo. Another one out of the big lot that I own for a quarter. This one I believe I featured on Instagram, The Anatomy of British Sea Power, A History of the British Naval Policy from 1880 to 1905. This was a hardcover in a dust jacket. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see Once again, the dust jacket is not in particularly good shape. It is really faded, a lot of browning and tanning along the edges. Still sold for, this one went for full price, I believe $67.99 with free shipping from a quarter. Model Railroad Magazines, if you've been following me, you know I love selling these things. I had a buyer who had purchased some from me previously. Repeat business on these is always a lot of fun. They bought four years worth of O-Gage Railroading Magazine from one set was from the 1990s. The others were from the early 2000s. They paid a total of $68 plus shipping. I think this ended up being, I don't know, 26 or 28 magazines that I own for about eight cents a piece. So I might have, how does that work out to? Less than $2 probably in the whole thing sold for $68 plus shipping. And now, the flip of the week. So, I was at a garage sale, not this past Saturday, but two Saturdays ago. It was very late in the day. The guy was trying to wrap up, I think. And he said, anything you see here that you want, it's 50% off. I just want to get rid of it. So, I'm walking around, and it's, I mean, it's the end of the day on the second or third day of the garage sale. It didn't look like there was going to be much left. I walked in, and sitting on this table in a baggie, with a $10 price tag on it, is this Belltronics Pro 300 laser radar detector. 50% off, it's going to be 5 bucks. I said, does this thing work? And he said, yes, 
I was using it on my job. I'm no longer traveling for work, so I just really don't need it anymore. I really want to get rid of it. So five bucks and it's yours. Comps on it were $100 to $125. So I listed mine for $134.99 or best offer, assuming that somebody would send me an offer for $125 or $115 or even $100 from $5 and I would take it and get rid of it. Got a full price purchase, $134.99 plus customer paid shipping on an old radar detector. Quick fun fact, you can't sell these on Mercari. I was cross-listing through List Perfectly. Another shameless plug, there is an affiliate link below for List Perfectly. And within seconds of this listing going live on Mercari, they took it down and sent me a message. These items, radar detectors, are not legal in all 50 U.S. states, and they do not allow them to be sold. As far as I know, I didn't get any kind of a strike or anything on Mercari. I don't even know if that's a thing (laughs) uh, over there, but they did delist it immediately. So this was only up on eBay, but nonetheless, $5 into $134.99 plus shipping. So that's a really nice way to wrap up the top 10 sales from last week. All in all, it was a pretty fantastic week. No complaints. Obviously, there's there was some bad news interspersed in there with things, but that's just part of the cost of doing business. It's like getting returns or anything else. The, this job is not all, you know, sunshine and rainbows and whatever. That, that sometimes there are obstacles to overcome. Most of them eventually represent some kind of an opportunity for you to refocus on your business. So when you're presented with something like that, take that opportunity to look at your business and what you want to do and how you want to run it. With that, we're going to close it for the week. I hope you're having a great week. Again, as I said at the outset, if you found this thing informative, entertaining, whatever, do me a favor, smack that thumbs up button. If you are not currently a subscriber, please consider subscribing either to the podcast or to the YouTube channel. I would truly appreciate it. Thank you, as always, for stopping by. And now, it's time to sell. Thanks, guys. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time.